0: My
1: demo. Welcome to another edition of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is James Cooney and I'm joined today by FF Down Under's own Lewis Glover. And as well, we have back the from DynastyNerds.com and the Fantasy Football Roundtable, we have Dennis Bennett and Matthew Ruing. Boys, how are we?
0: Fantastic. Thanks for having us.
2: Well, thank you for coming back. I'm glad we didn't scare you away after the, the Lions episode and you guys were so graciously willing to to stick around and talk some browns football with us scare us
0: away i thought i was afraid we scared you away we were going to get that. a hey, i'm lo- i'm losing the connection i'm losing, <laughs> I'm losing <laughs> the connection
1: Blocks. well you weren't almost Dennis with that of the philip Lindsay uh, hate so just be careful. <laughs> who? With the Philip Lindsay hat, you'd be just... I'm it not
3: opposed to getting out of here. We can just talk about the Kings of the North. I'm okay with that.
2: <laughs> I think you, I think Matt and James are just going to have to go and start their own Philip Lindsay podcast and and uh, me and Dennis <laughs> will stick
3: around. I was going to suggest after we were done recording the Browns talk, we should just start a Philip Lindsay podcast because he's quite possibly the greatest player in the NFL, right besides Baker from <laughs> Mayfield.
2: <laughs> I was at the, right besides Baker Mayfield, that is a great segue in to the start of our Browns conversation. We'll start with the most important player on the field, the quarterback, the the unjustly uh, stolen Rookie of the Year award away from him because Baker was the Rookie of the Year and I will fight anyone who disagrees with me about it. Will you, so so
1: B- will you fight him?
2: I, well, no, yeah, probably not actually. Okay. Those legs are pretty intimidating. I reckon he can generate some serious power on his punches with those quads. <laughs> but um, Baker Mayfield. Let's uh let's get right into the Browns. And I mean, he looked fantastic last season. Once the the stench of Hugh Jackson was lifted away from from the Browns, and and really brought back hope to a football team that has has struggled to have hope for for a while. And I think what Baker did for the team and the franchise has, has gone more than what he's. Did on the football field so guys as you know as brown fans as residents of ohio or resident rather i know matt you're down in texas that just just yeah. talk talk to us about baker and, and what he's done for the team and what the outlook and the feel around the browns fan base is right now
3: you want me to go first Two dennis or you want to take first yeah
0: first? you take it uh,
3: for me it's exciting i mean I, as a a Browns fan all my life, most every preseason you go into it and you think, hey, you know, this is our year and you're fooling yourself. We we never thought, really, we, we hoped, you know, when you go 4-0 in the preseason, that meant something. We were going to win four games and go 4-12 every year, like we did for what felt like over decades and decades. I mean, to see Baker come in there and do what he did, uh, I know we were doing a little talking there about him before we started the podcast and some people who disliked him him because of the way he runs his mouth and the way he acts. I love it. I cannot get any more of it. He can trash anybody he wants. He can talk and say whatever he wants and I'm eating it up. I'm, I'm going to be as sick to say I would drink Baker's bath water if he gave me to me <laughs> Like, I'm, I love Mayfield. He, he's, as I just referenced, the king of the North for me. I, I, he's revitalized this team. I don't care if he goes out there and drops another 0 and 16 season on this. I'm going to believe in him until he gets cut from the Cleveland Browns.
2: There we go. A ringing endorsement. And maybe a, a future career for Baker Mayfield. If his NFL one doesn't pan out, he can start selling his bathwater online.
1: Well, there was a model that was selling his bathwater.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. That weird Instagram model. <laughs>
0: I think Baker showed when he came in for Tyrod, uh, he made a couple throws in that that game after taking over. That, you know, when I looked at him, I I thought to myself, you know, Tyrod Taylor would not have even attempted to make those throws, and so you can talk about Taylor being a, a good, solid game manager. You know he's not going to make turnovers. He's not making turnovers because he doesn't take chances. And it's it's like the old racing adage: if you're not rubbing, you're not racing. And sometimes you just got to live with uh, an incomplete pass or, or an interception because you tried to make a play. Uh, and, and Baker came in and he made a couple throws right in that first game when he took over that made me go. You know what? This is the guy. Uh, yeah. I don't mind the him his attitude because I think Cleveland kind of needs that after the bullshit we've been through with Mike Holmgren and Hugh Jackson and you know, this litany of stuff that's happened since they came back. So let's bring somebody in here that that's got some attitude that's basically willing to say, you know what it's me it's about me if you don't want to know the answer don't ask me the question
2: yeah for sure he's been an entertaining character since he you know took over or even since before he came into the league he's been a character for sure but as you said some the way he came in in that situation against the new york jets monday night football the stage was set and he came in and he didn't skip a beat and he played with poise he played with confidence and that that showed throughout the season and things only got better for him once hugh jackson was uh was fired Who'd, who'd have thought right once you get hugh jackson this millstone from around your neck, you're going to be able to perform better. And it seemed like he had a real uh, connection with Freddie Kitchens and how he wanted to run his offense and what they were doing there. And Baker's incredibly accurate throwing the ball downfield. He's got a hell of an arm on him. And that was that was shown in some of the plays he made. I mean, there was a pass against the Carolina Panthers. It was just an absolute laser of a touchdown throw into what looked like triple coverage, but he put the ball into into a spot where it, only his receiver could grab it. I can't remember who the receiver was. It might have been it was Jarvis Landry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a a jaw dropping throw, and that's exactly what Dennis was talking about. Is a quarterback willing to take take those chances um, rather than you know take the safer checkdown option? So I think we're going to see more of that from Baker moving forward. And 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 last season, once Freddie Kitchens took over he baker was you know second in the nfl at yards per attempt first in deep completions per game second in deep attempts per game and fifth in completion percentage on deep passes as well And so we know what Freddie Kitchens wants to do. And then add into the mix that they brought Todd Munkin in as offensive coordinator, who is going to have a a limited role. They're not bringing in his playbook. He's not going to be calling the plays, but bringing someone in who's coaching Baker and and wants to have that philosophy is a huge thing for him, I think.
0: Yeah. I I like Munkin to come in and, you know, he's willing to throw the ball. And so they're going to, they're going to mesh. And while he may not call the plays, uh, at some point I think kitchen is going to have to give that up for the betterment of the team. And so if he comes in and, and they, they do start to mesh, uh, it could be uh, a really exciting time and then let Freddie step back. That's the hardest thing is somebody who's worked in management my whole life that when somebody's trying to move up, your your view has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And to do that, you, you have to give away some of that other stuff to be able to see that bigger picture. And so I, I hope Freddie doesn't get stuck down there where he's micromanaging and, and ends up losing the magic that he had be, because he he won't trust Monkin or whoever is the subsequent offensive coordinators when Monken gets the head coach job. Right. I mean, you'd, you'd
2: hope that's the case. And, and really what, what Tampa Bay did last year was, was, wild with Todd Monken, That's crazy. I mean, he's, he's, he's on record saying, you know, why five-yard plays are boring. Why, why run when you can throw the ball? Everyone likes exciting splash plays. And that really manifested itself in the way he called games. The books were sixth in pass-to-run ratio, second in pass yards per attempt, first in passing yards per game. And both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston were top three for average depth of target. So just a completely clear blueprint of what he wanted what they wanted to do in tampa bay and that really if you overlay those principles with what baker did for the second half of the season from once hugh jackson was and uh, todd haley were out of there really it seems like a match
0: made in heaven it certainly does
1: uh we saw in like 2017 with carson wentz and 2018 with patrick Mahomes, these second year quarterbacks taking that next step into superstardom um do you say that for baker this year or do you don't think he has that potential
3: that was a sacrilegious yet, statement.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'd give me QB1? Uh, so or? As, as,
3: I don't think he'd give me QB1, but I'll let you know exactly where I think he could finish. I think Dennis and me are pretty in lockstep on this. We were actually just talking about our quarterback rankings uh, on one of our episodes here recently. So, Lewis, you've mentioned a bunch of times the the having. Hugh Jackson there, the season he had, and then when it changed, when he had Freddie Kitchens there, it was almost two seasons for Baker Mayfield. With Hugh Jackson, he had like a 8 percent completion percentage, 1,400 yards, eight touchdowns, and six interceptions. The game plans and everything they were calling were horrible. It it was almost semi-embarrassing, the way that the Browns were playing with Hugh Jackson. They could have won a lot of games. It was just bad play calling altogether. When Freddie Kitchens came in, and I can't remember the exact stat, but they finished with Freddie Kitchens – second all-time in offensive yards per play to the um, the greatest show on turf Rams. That's how great that offense was running when Freddie Kitchens took over. From that point on, so before uh, he took over, weeks one through eight, Baker Mayfield finished as the fantasy quarterback 27. Again, he only played a couple games and there started in week three. Not started, but came in week three against the Jets. From week nine to 16, he finished as the 12th quarterback overall, 71% completion percentage. 1,800 yards with 16 touchdowns and five interceptions. He was fantastic, magnificent. I mean, we, we all saw it. He is, I, I joke and say the greatest quarterback of all time, but he, he looked amazing for what he did on that offense. The whole offense changed with Freddie Kitchens. He allowed Baker to be Baker. I think Baker Mayfield finishes third in QB this year behind Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck. Interesting.
2: It's a, a bold prediction, but one that's that's well backed up. I mean, they, they were historic with their offense. Like you said, it was almost like two separate seasons. And then they went and added a, a guy. You, you might've heard of him, Odell Beckham Jr. So <laughs> I I think the offense is just going to be even more dangerous, even more electric when you add someone who's just an incredible talent at the position, uh, you know, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, uh, but at least, you know, top three, top four in the, in, the, in that mix. So, Really exciting things for the Cleveland offense. Now, one of the things that people are a bit scared of about, you know, projecting Baker to have uh, such a fantasy relevant season despite his weapons are game script concerns because they're going to get out to potentially get out to big leads, but they also have a really, at least on paper, a, a strong looking defense in terms of of what that does for bacon, Matt, I know you have him as your QB three. Maybe I'll kick it over to Dennis. Are there any concerns about the defense and, and what that does from
0: a, from a game script perspective? I I don't think so because as I look at it, I see playmakers. And so, well, maybe you don't end up with 600 pass attempts, but you have a, uh, uh, a longer, uh, average per play yards per play, right? Because you've got guys that are made. I mean, Chubb showed last year that he can take, take it the distance at any time. Uh, OBJ is a, he, he, scores touchdowns. doesn't matter where he gets down the field. Uh, Jarvis Landry is one of the best slot receivers in the game. Antonio Callaway is a great guy on the outside. So they've got guys that are going to make plays down the field. And so, The concern, could they drop in or maybe not have uh, a higher number of plays because of that defense? It's possible, but their yards per play, I think, is going to elevate, which will offset some of that concern.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a collection of highly efficient players, which should offset any concerns about about the, the, the raw output in terms of volume, I think um so we talked about Odell Beckham briefly I guess we should we should really dig into into what he does for the offense and what he brings and ag- again using uh Josh Hermsmeyer's tool at airyards.com I found a really interesting um you know statistic for for Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and that's Jarvis Landry's career A dot is, about 7.5 there or thereabouts. Last season, he was asked to do something different. He was asked to be the lead guy and his average depth of target propped up to 11.7. Now, he wasn't as efficient as he has been throughout his career. He he, he performed well, but he, he dropped in his fantasy rankings. His volume came down now i think in 2019 he's going to go back to his slot role he's going to have that volume and odell beckham is going to take that that lead role that field stretching role and i think they're going to they're going to help each other and interestingly enough um o- odell beckham's career average depth of target is exactly what Jarvis Landry was asked to do last season. And I think if you put Baker in, uh, excuse me, Baker, you put uh, Beckham into that role and you can allow Landry to return to what he does doing best, which is, uh, you know, catches from the slot, moving the chains, being a competitor over the middle. I I think you're going to have some magic on this offense.
3: Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Odell Beckham Jr., so he's actually one of my favorite players uh, I had before Baker came along. Him and Philip Blitzy have kind of knocked uh, Odell down a couple notches for me. Uh, but Odell was uh, right up there as my favorite wide receiver. And this goes back to the podcast uh, we just did with you guys uh, talking about the Lions I mentioned, Antonio Callaway. Uh, moving Jarvis Landry into the slot is going to improve his fantasy value, no doubt about it. If you go back and look at what Odell did in New York with Eli Manning, he had a lot of balls overthrown, underthrown, thrown all over the place nowhere near Odell. which I believe had two of the longest passes of the season last year that he threw to Saquon Barkley and I think Shepherd Russell Shepard last year over Eli Manning. That's how good uh Eli Manning was last year for the for the Giants. So getting Baker there now to be the quarterback I think is going to open things up for Odell. I don't think he's going to be a top 3 wide receiver or four like I think he's getting drafted as a a lot of people have a lot of hype on him going there with Baker, but I still think he's going to produce as a top wide receiver. Having Jarvis and Antonio Callaway there with him is going to be two of the better weapons he's had in a long time as well, helping him out and clear out some room. And he's, he's just immensely talented. Baker's going to be able to get him the ball. Um, but I don't think he's going to be – he's not up there with Hopkins and Adams in my opinion. I, talent-wise he is, but I don't think he will be fantasy-wise even having Baker as his quarterback.
2: Right, just with that raw volume that those guys are expected to see. Um, Having such a talented supporting cast around him is probably going to draw draw away some of that. He's currently going as the wide receiver five with Hopkins, Adams, Thomas, and Jones going ahead of him and Juju, Brown, Evans, the types of of receivers going after him. So I think he's in a a sweet spot right there. I do think we're going to see an efficiency level from him that we've never seen before. And I think he's going to absolutely relish being able to burn opposing cornerbacks and have the ball thrown to where he's going rather than having to readjust and come back and attack the ball. And I think we're going to see more um, deep receptions for, for Beckham than we've seen throughout his, throughout his career so far. I think he's primed for a big season, but but pure volume and, and, and target share puts those other guys ahead of, ahead of him for, for fantasy purposes. So I definitely agree with you there.
0: I think the biggest challenge that I see with Odell Beckham is his injury history. Right. If he if he isn't going to be healthy uh, all the time, then it ends up. You know, I think that's what really prevents him from being the wide receiver one. Uh, if he goes 16 games this year, I could see him uh, being the overall number one wide receiver. But he hasn't uh, – he's only played 16 games in one out of five years. Right. I, I My guy,
2: I, I love him, but everyone knows about his durability concerns. Sammy Watkins has played more NFL games than Odell Beckham Jr., <laughs> which is just a, a wild wild uh, statistic to consider. He has. He's played about three more games than, than Odell Beckham Jr. Um, so it just shows you how often uh, – Beckham has missed time with some niggles he's really had the one serious injury the broken ankle but with the soft tissue injuries in his hamstrings it's uh yeah it's something that he's probably going to have to deal with for the for the rest of his his career but even 14 games out of him is better than 16 from most
0: as long as he misses number one and number 16 week 17 (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cooney, um, what are your thoughts on, on
1: Beckham for this season? Uh, just about the same, yeah. I just think it's going to be a bit different. I didn't like him in New York just because he had Eli Manning throwing to him, but now he's got a better passer and Baker going to him, but he's got a lot more weapons and a lot more other people around him that's going to sh- um, steal uh, targets from him. I was going to touch on this quickly. out Because usually in fantasy, there's only f- sort of three relevant players uh, pass catching options you usually say the rams last year they're cooks cup and uh robert woods and those are the sort of three that stand out out of the four you've got beckham landry calloway and njoku who's the one that's sort of going to drop off and sort of not be uh not be relevant this year matt Ooh,
3: that's a tough one um See, I'm torn here between Jarvis and Njoku. A lot of people are going to tell you Njoku because he struggles with drops. He, he's – ever since coming out of college, he, everybody talks about how what a physical specimen he is and how talented he is, but he struggles with drops. But I think he actually has a chance to be better than Jarvis Landry given the tight end to wide receiver position. Jarvis Landry, uh, wide receiver much deeper. So I'll, I'll say Jarvis. I think Jarvis is going to be the guy because – and Joku being at tight end, a weaker position. I think he's also going to get weaker coverages. He he can outrun linebackers. We saw that last year. Safeties are going to be more worried about Antonio Callaway and Odell Beckham Jr. on the outsides. Slot corners. Most teams. You look. I looked at this a couple weeks ago when I was writing an article about Antonio Callaway. Actually. Uh, uh, over half the team's best cornerbacks are their slot cornerbacks, which are now going to be lined up with Jarvis Landry, him moving back into the slot, which means he's going to be playing up against better players as well in the defense, which is going to allow David Joku I think, to kind of slip out into the middle of the field. One thing we've seen from Baker Mayfield, he does not favor anybody. He's going to throw to whoever is open. He does not care who you are. That's why we saw Rashad Perriman <laughs> and even Rashad Higg take a huge step up last year, guys, that not a lot of people were talking about. I mean, Rashad Perriman was a number one overall pick for the Baltimore Ravens a couple years ago and looked to be flamed out of the league. He did nothing. And then all of a sudden shows all this talent with Baker Mayfield because he was getting open. So I think if Njoku gets open in the middle of the field there, he's going to prove to be more relevant. So I'm going to say Jarvis takes that step back.
0: Interesting. Dennis? I'm not sold. I guess to me it depends on – what we're calling, taking a step back, you know, Jarvis had, uh, where was it? His So he had 149 targets last year. So with Beckham coming in, I don't think uh, I'm quite certain Jarvis isn't going to have 149 targets, but I also don't think Beckham is going to have 149 targets either because Baker spreads the ball around. Uh, Njoku had 88 targets. So if they both – let's say they both have a 20 to 25% reduction in targets. You know, you're talking 20 targets, 22 targets for Njoku, and what, uh, 30 targets taken away from Landry. You know, so are you going to – I feel like that's – they're both going to take steps back because of Beckham coming in. And I don't think either one of them is really going to take a bigger step back than the other. Callaway, to me, is going to be the outsider. He's the number three. When Cleveland's in two wide receiver sets, it's going to be Landry and Beckham. So that takes Callaway off the field. Uh, so I, I feel like they're both in for about a 20 to 25% uh, reduction in volume.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Just looking at Jarvis Landry's historical stats, and as I mentioned earlier, he was asked asked to do something completely different last year. His catch rate plummeted to 54.4%. Historically on his career, he's about 70%. So if he returns to a role... Where he gets the more catchable targets, the the easier grabs, I expect his catch rate to go back up and partially offset some of the the reduction in volume for him. But I can really see him fin- having a, a similar type year, a different looking profile in in terms of how he goes about it. But but getting you know 80, 80 catches on a hundred and hundred and fifty. 120 targets and getting close to cracking a thousand yard marks. As as with with Landry, the question is going to be touchdowns. I don't think he'll have too many given the the presence of the other guys there and potentially Nick Chubb's threat from from inside the opposing uh, opposition's red zone. But I do think if these receptions come up, we know that ta- we know that targets and receptions are are, are are valuable, particularly in PPR scoring. So I can see him uh, sort of holding on his fantasy finish potentially even improving it. I mean, he was 22nd last year. I can still see him finishing around that 18 to 20 type mark and Odell Beckham finishing inside the top, you know, sixth at the position. I do think that's on the... It's going to be hard for the offense to do, but I do think it's within the range of outcomes.
1: Um, Is there anyone else in that wide receiver room that you're sort of um, looking at this year or even in Dynasty perspective?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So time, now I get to go, Oh, go ahead. Dennis, you go first. No, no, no. Go first. Because I'm, I'm going to take a
0: while. I feel like I don't want to. I think we, well, I was going to probably talk about the same thing. You know, we've talked a, a little bit about how I, I think we both believe that this is the last year Landry's on the Browns. Was that what you were going to talk about?
3: No, no, not at all. So okay. you go right ahead.
0: I, I, I think. You know, with his con- – because I, I think Callaway is going to step up and, or show the ability to step up, and uh, Richard Higgins is going to step up as well. And I think that they're going to look at their salary cap situation and, and realize somebody's got to go, and they're going to determine that it's uh, Jarvis Landry. It's certainly not going to be Odell Beckham. Uh, and, and so I think Landry is going to be shipped off. Uh, after this season. Uh, so from a dynasty perspective, you know, maybe I'm stashing Richard Higgins or, or Antonio Callaway. I know uh, on the lions episode, Callaway was your breakout. Uh, I think the only way Callaway breaks out is if there's an injury to Beckham or uh, uh, Landry, but you know, I, am not a huge Jarvis Landry fan. Uh, I did, pick up some shares of him when I, about three three or four years ago, after he came into the league, when I transitioned uh, most of the leagues from uh, half point PPR to full point PPR. Uh, and, and he become a lot more valuable then. So, you know, he, he definitely has a role. Uh, I just feel like after this season, it's going to be somewhere else. I'll Matt before you, uh, Take
2: take the mic. I just want to jump in there and and talk about Landry's contract, because it's an interesting point of discussion. There is isn't out for the Browns in 2020 if they chose to waive Landry with only a dead cap of four point five million. Landry was very clear uh, in Miami he wanted to get paid. He's all about getting paid and securing his future and financial security for his his family moving on. whether now he gets to play with his best friend in Odell Beckham, he'd be more amenable to a, to a pay cut. But but something tells me that's probably not the case. He'd still only be 27 years old, and if he's a free agent, he can go and secure another big long term contract that's front loaded with a signing bonus, um, and 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 really get another a big contract which a lot of players don't have the opportunity to do, and it would save the the, the Browns about 10 million dollars in cap space. So it I think it's a a, a possible scenario if, if, if Landry isn't willing to, to restructure his contract. So uh, I, I just pulled up Track and thought it would be it was worth uh, noting in the discussion there.
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know if they would do that because I do think they have uh, still quite a, a decent amount of cap room left right now. And they don't have to pay anybody in the near future besides Miles Gary. Nick Chubb. Still, I think four year three years away from a contract, and Baker being that first round pick, they can use the five year option on or that fifth year option on him. So he's still a little bit of ways away as well. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, especially with who I'm about to talk about. But I, I don't think they'd do it. Uh, my guy is Antonio Callaway, and I mentioned it on the last episode uh, for you guys with the Lions that I think uh, Callaway is going to outproduce Jarvis Landry. Again, we'll, we'll go back to the two seasons thing. So, in the first eight games, 46% catch rate for just 236 yards there with uh, Jackson calling the plays. Everything changed when Freddie Kitchens came in. They allowed him to be more of a deep target. He had, he had 64% catch rate with 350 yards in that second half of the season. Again, not even playing that much. And Baker Mayfield was just – he goes deep. That's what he likes to do. So last year he was ranked fourth in the NFL with deep ball attempts, at 75, 5.4 attempts a game. And uh, he finishes ninth as the most accurate as well on deep percent with 41.3%. Callaway is now going to be considered the third fiddle in that offense by almost everybody in every defense. Every team is going to game plan for Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry, and then more than likely Nick Chubb at some point. So if you're looking at Antonio Callaway being the third wide receiver, he now gets the best matchup on the field. He is going up against your second or third cornerback on that team. Because, again, the best cornerback is going to go over to Odell. Your slot corner is going to be right there with Jarvis Landry. Antonio Callaway is now going up against a more beatable matchup on only almost every single play on the outside we've seen Baker Mayfield is extremely good at extending plays as well which allow Antonio Callaway I think to break away from coverages and then as we talked about already on this podcast that Baker Mayfield doesn't favor anybody he's going to go to the open target so if Antonio Callaway is getting the more beatable cornerback and getting open he is going to be fed the ball he is their deep threat he is faster than Odell Beckham junior They're roughly the same size, so that's not going to play any back in. But I do think Antonio Callaway uh, is just a tad bit faster than Odell, will be able to be their deep threat. And we've seen Odell – not Odell, I'm sorry, Baker and Freddie Kitchens and even Todd Munkin, as as you were mentioning earlier, Lewis, like to throw the deep ball, which now plays even more into Antonio Callaway's game. I mean,
2: yeah, I I – and certainly if you want to get pieces of the offense, Callaway is the cheapest in redraft and dynasty. I mean, his dynasty value has plummeted. Now that Beckham's there, you can probably go get him for a future third round pick. And he's undrafted in, in redraft for the, he's going outside the top 200. This is a guy you could be your last pick. And we've we've mentioned the concerns around Odell Beckham's health, that he's only played 16 games one time. This is a guy that could be, Regardless of, you know, if, you, if you're buying Matt's argument or not about his potential relevance, this is a guy that can be thrust into relevance at, at, at any given week. So given, given that and given Matt's pretty, pretty strong argument in favor of, of Callaway, he's a guy I, I would like to be targeting late in best ball leagues. And, and um, you know, maybe it is my last last uh, receiver I'm going to try and stash in, 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 you know, typical redraft leagues.
1: We'll move on to another crowded room. We'll go to the running backs now. Um, As we've touched on before, before Hugh and after Hugh, uh, Nick Chubb was one of the real benefactors of uh, Freddie Kitchens' offense. And from weeks 10 to 17, he was uh, number, uh, RB9, sorry. Um, Where do you project him to be? And what do you expect Kareem Hunt will be uh, doing once he comes back from his uh, suspension?
3: Yeah, so for me, I still think Nick Chubb. I don't think he finishes nine, but I do think he finishes as a top 12 running back. Uh, he, he showed even when he was there and tried to keep him off the field. I think he had two games where he had um Oakland game where he had two 60 yard plus touchdown runs, and then they had the 90 yard run. I don't remember who exactly that was against, but that was even with him trying to keep him off the field. Nick Chubb was showing how good he could be. It's on there now with Freddie Kitchens, and, and we all saw he, he's an absolute stud. Uh, I think he's still going to produce that. And again, even when they get down in the red zone, he we sh- he can run the ball in there. We saw him make a nice catch from Baker Mayfield in the red zone as well. He can work in the receiving game. When Kareem Hunt comes back, so I, I believe it was an eight-game suspension, um, I don't think he actually gets on the field to probably week 10 because it's going to take him a week or so to kind of get used to the game speed and all that stuff, get back into it. He's not allowed to participate in any of the – team's activities and anything leading up through that suspension. So week 10 is probably your your likeliest scenario of Kareem Hunt coming back in. I don't think they go to a 50-50 split. I think they ride with the horse that got them there. Um, So I think it's going to be more of like a 70-30, maybe 60-40 split. Kareem Hunt is extremely talented. I imagine that he's going to steal some work away from Chubb, but I think even in that back half of the season through the fantasy playoffs, you'll be able to rely on Nick Chubb being a top 12 uh, running back for fantasy.
0: Yeah. I agree with Matt on Hunt. As talented as Hunt has been, it's going to be week 10 or 11 before uh, he's he's relevant and ready to go. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to look and see when the trading deadline is this year in the NFL. Yeah, it's a possible scenario that Kareem Hunt gets shipped out to another team who
2: all of a sudden becomes running back needy, particularly after the Browns have worn the brunt of the
0: PR nightmare of, of signing him. Well, I'm not. So my thought was more of Duke Johnson getting traded. All right. So because Duke wants out, he wants to get paid. They've got Chubb, who is their guy, and they brought in Hunt. And when it comes to talent, Duke is the third most talented player of those three. Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't play Hunt for the first eight or ten weeks. So you, you have to keep Duke around, even if it makes him unhappy. And it's not like he's going to – he isn't going to sit out. He's going to play. But if then we get to the NFL trading deadline. Well, then you ship Duke off for a draft pick next year, and Hunt comes back, and now you've got two better backs. And then that's where I see the split happening of the 70-30, 65-35. 30, do you, right. sp-
1: do you expect that uh, sort of split with Duke Johnson on the team as well, or do you think it's going to be more Nick Chubb sort of at the start of the year?
0: I, I think with, with Duke, it's going to be more of a traditional type of uh, Duke is on passing downs, Chubb is on running downs. But Chubb is a, a decent pass catcher, so it isn't like they will only pass when Duke is in and only run when Chubb is in. Uh, but with Hunt, Hunt is very good at both of them and so i think that when you have chubb and hunt together it gives the offense more versatility as opposed to with duke the offense definitely is leaning towards the pass yeah i i can see duke johnson getting traded
2: particularly he's you know he's gone and got a new agent to manufacture a move out of uh, out of cleveland for him whether they're able to do that Anytime soon, wait and see. There's a few interesting landing spots that you'd like to see Duke Johnson go to for fantasy relevance. Potentially, you know, Tampa Bay is probably running back needy. They could be, be interested in doing something there. But Nick Chubb, I, I love him this season. I have a ton of Nick uh, Nick Chubb shares in, in best ball, in, in, in dynasty. So from week seven to 16, so after they shipped out Carlos Hyde and he became the full-time starter... He had 176 carries for 823 yards and six touchdowns, and 28 targets for 20 receptions with 149 yards and two touchdowns, and over a 16-game pace, that puts him, you know, 1500 yards from scrimmage and, and 13 touchdowns, which is a, a a fantastic return. And I think because the offense is going to be so good, I I don't see any way that touchdown output goes down. In fact, I think it gets higher just because they're going to have the you know. The opportunity to be in scoring positions constantly, and even with Kareem Hunt coming back, as you guys rightly pointed out, he's not going to be available to the team, I don't think, until the best week ten because he can't be um, with the team. He can't be getting his proper conditioning in to the same level. I know guys want to go out and work, work out on their own, but it's a it's a different thing coming, you know, joining a new team. It's not like he's been suspended and his rejoining teammates who he spent time with. This is a guy that's going to be coming in to a new environment, um, trying to learn the new playbook. He can't have any communication with the team. I think he's gonna. It's going to be a. It's going to be a while till we see Kareem Hunt, and I just. I just think Nick Chubb is so good. His talent win, wins out and keeps Kareem Hunt to a a, a relief type role.
1: Are any of you boys sort of willing to take a stab at Duke Johnson? Because he's going very, very late, sort of that 160 range. Are you willing to take a stab on him in the hopes that he does get traded and then he becomes sort of an RB1 in a sort of a tamper system, like we're just saying? Or are you willing not to take that risk? I'm not
3: particularly I mean, I am. In the... Go ahead, Dennis. I'll let you give the negative side first then. Go
1: ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just think, you know, we've seen what Duke is – and, and Duke is he's a, he's theoretic. So if he can if he goes somewhere where he can get volume like that, then I think he's he can be a decent running back, but he 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 can't run the ball very well uh, inside. He, he despite being 210 pounds, he's shown to be quite ineffective uh, doing that. So with that being said, do I want to, you know, I'll buy anybody at the price, even Ronald Jones at the right price. But for Duke, I'm not actively seeking him out uh, in hopes that he gets traded somewhere. Because I think even if he does get traded somewhere, he isn't going to be the lead back there either.
3: Yeah, so, so I would be. Um, I'm someone who doesn't think Duke Johnson's going to be traded at all. Um, I've talked about this before with Dennis. I actually think Kareem Hunt is going to be traded next offseason. Uh, with the Browns trading for him and the way his contract works out, they actually still retain his rights even after the season. You're going to get a bigger return on a player like Kareem Hunt in the offseason where you can trade him to a team that might be losing a running back. Uh, for instance, now just – the Los Angeles chargers who might be losing Melvin Gordon after this season. Now with him saying he wants a new contract, you can trade someone like Kareem hunt who they will still be under contract to a team that is RB needy and keep Duke Johnson there who they wanted to pay. They wanted to keep him there. Even if he does, Get traded away to a say, Tampa Bay team I as the shot uh, Dennis just fired at me with Ronald Jones I'm a big Ronald Jones believer I think that he is going uh, to take a big step up this year but Duke Johnson is a phenomenal receiving back we saw it in Cleveland when the offense was extremely bad he still finished as a top 15 asset two years ago I think he has the ability to do that wherever he goes so I would take him ex- especially with his As low as his ADP is, I think his upside uh, to outproduce that ADP is a lot better than the guys going around him.
0: Now, I looked up the trading deadline, and the trading deadline is after week seven. So if the Browns do wait to make a trade until the trade deadline, then they they still have to navigate about three weeks before Kareem Hunt is fully in the mix. Which probably means they're not too interested
2: in in moving on if without a backup in place for Nick Chubb, unless you know they go and grab a veteran for a few weeks. Mm. All righty, um, Cooney. Who else? Who else have we got to talk about
1: on this offense? We oh, we sort of touched on him before. We talked about David Njoku. Joku. Um, just want to quickly touch on him. Do you see that, you know, obviously he's got issues with his hands and he's had a drop rate of 8%, which ranks seventh in the NFL. Um, where do you think the improvement needs to come with him uh, in any other areas apart from his hands?
3: No, I think that's his biggest thing. Uh, we saw even with him suffering a little bit of injuries last year, he still played in every game. Uh, he's a tough guy, like I said earlier, physical specimen. Uh, he just needs to improve his hands. And that's it. I still... Um, you know, since I already kind of touched on him with the whole Jarvis Landry thing, I won't I won't say much more on him. Just I think he's gonna have a good year. Uh, he's gonna have better matchups as long as he can improve his hands. I think he has a shot to be a top ten-ish tight end for fantasy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he improved his catch rate from fifty-three percent to over sixty-three percent from year one to year two. Tight ends are you know, a three year developmental process typically. So if he comes in this year and you know bumps his catch rate up uh, another five eight percent, I think he's going to be in good shape. My concern is uh, I think you know where where are OBJ's targets coming from because uh, they're not all going to come from Jarvis Landry. So I, I think he might suffer with targets. He, so he'll have to be more efficient and catch the ball better. So I, I definitely see him finishing about where he is based on uh, continuing to improve his uh, catch rate and efficiency.
1: And I sort of lastly, we we'll talk about their defense as well. Um, Steve Hooks comes over from uh, Arizona after sort of having that terrible year there. Um, a few things didn't go his way with obviously the offensive la- uh, line, no talent on defense and sort of the bad high choice of Mike McCoy. Um, where do you think, uh, the Cleveland defense can be this year? And do you think they're going to be sort of uh, holding out their potential of their offense because it's going to be such such a good defense?
3: Yeah, I think the offense being as good as it is is actually going to help this defense a lot. I think their strength is in the secondary. Those cornerbacks and having Denzel Ward, who's a shutdown cornerback, win healthy, which that's going to be a big thing uh, as well, I think. But getting Greedy Williams out of LSU, uh, where they did was a steal in the NFL draft. He was by far the best cornerback, in my opinion. I'm not an NFL scout, but I thought he was the best cornerback uh, coming out. To get him, he's another shutdown type that you can put on the other side of Denzel Ward. So now you have two shutdown cornerbacks there in your defense have guys like Miles Garrett, Ogba, um, and uh, Sheldon Richardson, who they brought over here this offseason to rush the quarterback. Their weakness is going to be linebacker. Um, I'm hoping with Steve Wilkes, as good of a defensive coach as he is, he had uh, when he was in Carolina, which, again, great players like Luke Keekley. Uh, that was back when Josh Norman was still there. Uh, he ran a great defense there in Carolina. They were always in the top ten. Especially their secondaries—that's what he coaches up the best. So that's why I love having Denzel and Greedy there. Uh, but he's going to have to work on that linebacker core. They really only have Joe Show they need to get some better linebackers. But I think with the defensive rush they'll get from their line and their cornerback and safety play, I think this defense has a shot to be a, a top ten. I don't—I don't think they'll be—I don't think they're going to make that jump up to the top five defense. But I think they will be a top ten, especially for fans.
2: Yeah, I mean the defensive line is just. Disgusting. They went and traded for Olivier Vernon, and you know, uh, he's,
0: yeah.
2: right. And so he's not going to be, be getting all of the attention of the O line. That's going to be Miles Garrett. And I think Vernon's going to get some real nice one on one matchups. They got, they brought in Sheldon Richardson, who we know is talented. Whether this is the place that he finally you know, puts it all together uh, that he hasn't been able to do in the last few seasons. And then Larry Joby as well, who's who's shown some stuff. So a really strong offensive line. And as you mentioned, the secondary uh, with Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward and, and Demarius Randall can play a bit as well. So some really good, uh, you know, names on paper there for the defense. Hopefully they can then bring it all together. And, and, and Coach Wilkes seems like he could be the guy to do that.
0: Yeah, well, they brought in a couple of young linebackers, Mac Wilson out of Alabama and uh, Sione Takitaki. So, you know, Kirksey has been a good linebacker from an IDP perspective because he he makes a lot of tackles. Uh, they're just typically down the field, not not at or behind the line. It's mm-hmm. kind of like AJ Hawk, make, making a lot of tackles but always after a game. But under the, I think one of the underrated signings that the Browns have was bringing in Morgan Burnett to replace uh, Jabril Peppers. Uh, I think Burnett will be uh, – he's a veteran in the back end there with that young uh, – him, him and Randall as uh, veteran safeties to pair with those young, young cornerbacks. I think that's a really smart move. You know that they're going to be where they're supposed to be all the time, and that's going to allow those two young cornerbacks – to be aggressive. And with that uh, pressure coming from that line, uh, I could see the the Browns turning the ball over quite a bit from a defensive perspective.
2: Yeah, that's definitely on the cards, like the combination of getting pressure at the line and the ability to. To get some coverage sacks as well i think they're just going to feed into one another and 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 really benefit the the offensive unit uh, excuse me defensive unit as a whole now they're being drafted really early people are expecting good things for them in in fantasy so i won't have any browns defenses they're being drafted in the 12th round which is just which is just wild way too early to be drafting your your defense but i think there's a a couple of games they might get dropped who knows but It's definitely going to be some games where they put up huge numbers and have multiple turnovers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sort of, yeah, with their defense being so good, do you reckon, obviously, it's going to keep their offense sort of on the field more, but it's obviously going to limit the uh, offensive points for the other team. Is that going to sort of hurt the Browns overall for the fantasy impact? Froze, froze up on us oh sorry okay yeah we'll just hold on good. yeah i didn't hear the last
3: question i'm sorry it froze up on me
1: yeah hold on that's sorry. Right. put a timer on that all good um yeah so obviously with the defense being so good it's obviously um limit their points for the uh, opposing teams is that going to hurt the browns overall fantasy value or is that just uh, a non-factor these days
3: for the offense, uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think Baker and Freddie Kitchens are going to want to shove the ball down everybody's throats as often as possible. It doesn't matter if it the score is fifty-one to three. I think they're still going to go and try and drive down the field and make it fifty-eight to three. I, I don't think that matters at all for the defense. As we were just talking about, I do think it helps. Um, Because I think the the teams they're playing against, the offenses they're playing against, are going to have to throw the ball more often to get into it, which is going to feed to what Dennis and Lewis were just mentioning with the turnovers and coverage sacks. That's going to allow that because they're going to be trying to pass the ball more often against the defense.
2: Yeah, and just from a game game script perspective as well, even if they have the lead, they've got offensive – minded guys guys who want to push the ball down the field passing and with the defense being so good i also think it gives them a little bit more license to to be a bit more aggressive because they know that they can lean on their defense where they need to and and that plays in nicely to what we were talking about at the top of the show with baker being that aggressive style quarterback who's willing to take those chances uh you know in exchange for for huge gains down the field so i think as a you know a holistic perspective of looking at the roster. I think they, they feed into each other really nicely.
0: Yeah. I, the, the Browns, you know, Freddie kitchens and John Dorsey and Todd Munkin, uh, Baker Mayfield, their approach to the game is that, uh, we're offensive players. It's not our job to stop us. So if you can't stop us, we're going to score. Right. So that I, I think that, the uh, there'll be plenty of offensive opportunity despite the strength of the defense.
2: Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. And I think, I think we've all been on the same page that we just, we expect big things love from the Brown. entire love. Yeah. Love it. Love for the Browns. It's, it's a shame that they're not on hard knocks again this year. I think it would be incredible to watch. I do enjoy the building the Brown series on YouTube. I think that's really interesting and gives another angle and perspective to what you see. And yeah, I'm just really excited for the Browns, and I'll be, I will be—I can be sure that I'll be watching every single Browns game this season because I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I'm a huge Odell Beckham fan. So very excited for what the Browns are going to be doing.
3: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a great season. At least I hope. I hope. I'm still a little bit pessimistic due to the, the recent history of the Browns, but I'm hoping it'll be a good season.
2: Matt, are you going to be getting up to uh, Ohio to see any games this year?
3: Uh, so I've made a I've made a plan with some of the other dynasty nerds guys that if the Browns make the playoffs, I will be up there for the first playoff game there since I believe it was 1998 with Kelly Holcomb I believe was their quarterback back then so wow. that'll be if they make it I will I will be up there for that for sure.
2: Nice
0: Dennis do you, do you uh, get the opportunity to go to many games? Not too many, you know it's only about a two and a half hour drive but uh... that's still some way. Yeah, with with kids and kids activities, and then uh, it just uh, now tickets are just hard to get. Yeah, all of uh, a sudden everyone wants the tickets.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean the two-hour drive is better than the eighteen-hour drive I, I have to take. So <laughs> that's
2: that's for sure.
1: I've got a Cleveland Browns question uh, for you, yeah. boys. Could you name me your top three quarterbacks for the Cleveland Rams in the past twenty years? Who would be your top three, apart from Baker?
3: Oh, that have finished like fantasy wise. Nah, just in I mean, general. Yeah, got Derek. Anderson. Just in uh,
1: well, general, I mean, I you'll still
3: take Derek Anderson for, for the year that he gave the Browns with Braylon Edwards. Um, and then for me, uh, I'd say Brady Quinn and Colt McCoy. I think both were really good quarterbacks that unfortunately just had no talent or skill around them. I mean, their wide receivers were my talent level, and if you've seen me catch a football, you know that's not really good. So,
0: <laughs> you know, I. I'm partial to Spurgeon win.
1: Wow. <laughs> Out of left field for that one.
0: No, I think Tim Couch kind of got shafted. Uh, I thought, well, not necessarily having a, a lot of deep ball talent. Couch was a pretty good quarterback and could get rid of the ball. He just the, – the team was just so bad, and he took a beating, you know, much like David Carr, and it just tore his shoulder up. I think if he could have had any kind of offensive line to keep him, uh, healthy, he, he could have, uh, done some stuff, uh, you know, at least, you know, went 500 or, you know, for his career. Uh, it's, it's hard when you look back, you know, cause there's, I, I liked Colt McCoy. I felt like he kind of got the shaft a little bit. The team wasn't really built, uh, around him correctly. The offense didn't really, I think sometimes, you know, he was one of those quarterbacks that had to play in a specific system to be effective. And, uh, he wasn't given that chance. You know, honestly, they haven't had, they haven't done uh, too awful good. So there isn't uh, a whole lot to hang your hat on. I'd rather talk (laughs) about, uh, Joe Thomas.
2: Yeah, so I feel so sorry for Joe Thomas that he just couldn't couldn't keep it together for a, you know another his body couldn't hold up for another couple of seasons and he could get to be a part of uh, the the change in in Cleveland because he really is the uh, the epitome of the Cleveland Browns he was he was seemed you know, like the heart and soul of that team for for many years and kept performing at a, a level of excellence when everyone around him seemed to not give a shit so uh, a, a true legend of the sport no doubt.
3: Yeah, he's probably right there with Jim Brown as as the best player to ever play at that franchise
2: in that franchise. Right. I mean, that's a bit it's a pretty big honor. Great right. podcast by the way as well. <laughs> Joe Thomas has got with uh with Andrew Hawkins if anyone listens to the Tomahawk yeah, podcast. Yeah. It's good. It's oh, a good. Yeah, I love it. It's a good it's a good listen for sure.
1: All righty boys, I think that will do it for our Cleveland Browns preview for this year. Um thanks for coming on guys. Much uh much pleasure. Thanks for uh, wasting a Saturday night with us. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you have got better things to do than uh, yeah, spending uh, talking fantasy football with us. But thanks for uh, thanks for doing it.
0: I love talking fantasy football, man. And I'm old, so oh, yeah. I don't have better things to do.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I very... This is this will be the highlight of my night. So don't no worries whatsoever.
2: Uh, you guys are living wild Saturday nights. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, again,
3: oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I just, I'd say the same thing. Thank you very much for coming on guys. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, standing invitation. Anytime you guys want to jump on and talk, talk, fancy, fancy football with us. We'd, uh, we're more than, more than w- willing to have you back on. This has been a lot of fun, this episode and also the episode before the uh, Detroit Lions preview as well. So many thanks again, guys. And just w- one more time, tell our listeners where they can, where they can find you and make sure they can get access to your work.
0: I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, I spend an awful lot of time cruising, answering questions. Feel free to shoot me a DM or a question, and I'd be happy to answer and give you my opinion. Uh, Not necessarily how it'll work out, but it's certainly my opinion. Uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com. Look forward to I appreciate you having us on. No doubt.
3: Yes. And uh, you can find me at Sports Fanatic M&B on Twitter, uh, also right for the Dynasty Nerds. Uh, any of you other Philip Lindsay lovers, you can come uh, hit me up on uh, Twitter. We'll talk about how great he is. Uh, you can find us, obviously, on the, the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast as well. And then an open invitation to you guys as well. We'd love to have you guys on with us anytime that you guys are, are willing to waste your nights talking to us or mornings, however. It ends up working out for you guys. We'd love to have you with us. Yeah,
2: for sure. We'll have to make that happen. That's uh, That sounds great. Yeah, Once don't forget again, the
1: uh, future Philip Lindsay podcast, too, we've got going, Matt. I <laughs> mean, that one, too. We can,
3: we can talk about that here in just a minute. I feel like Dennis and Lewis are going to be really upset if we keep talking about <laughs> Philip Lindsay. So.
1: Now, I'll just
0: start talking over you because I remembered a couple things I forgot. So, <laughs> we, we are going to be at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo uh, August 18th uh, in Canton, Ohio. Uh, Bob Lung from uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports is putting it on. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of fantasy football experts, uh, live mock draft panels. It's going to be a great time. So if you guys uh, happen to make the trip up for the Hall of Fame game, uh, feel free to swing by. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll uh, anyone, maybe we'll go fund go fund me some uh, some tickets for me and Cooney to get out there. Right on. And then also Matt and I are going to be at the Fantasy Football World Championships Uh September 5th through the 8th in Las Vegas. Oh, We'll nice. be broadcasting live from Radio Row. Well, we'll be recording live on Radio Row. I don't know if it'll be broadcast live, uh, but we'll be out there for the World Championships, uh, getting in a couple of uh, the big big, big money things out there. Well, medium-sized money, I guess, but uh, we'll so, be out there for the Fantasy Football World Championships.
2: That sounds awesome. Just tell us a little bit more about that. You guys are going to co- co-own a couple of teams and, and have some entran- entrances into the,
0: the tournament? Uh, we'll have we'll, we'll each have at least one entry. Uh, you know, we're, we're co-owning our first team and uh, we're, we're members of the uh, full time fantasy network. Now, that's our first co-owned team. We're not sure how it's going yet. We're still trying to figure each other out. We're used nice, to being yeah. enemies, on, enemies on the field so long this whole being partners with the team. We're not sure about it, I think.
2: <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I wish you the best of luck in the in the World Championships. We'll, we'll be uh, we'll be rooting for you, and you'll have to keep us posted about how those drafts unfold as well. Yeah, if you're gonna
0: go fund me a trip over, I'd go to the one in Vegas, Vegas instead
2: of Canada, Canada, Ohio. Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> it's a little closer as well, so even better.
2: Oh, uh, brilliant, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we'll
0: talk again soon. All right, right on. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, hit records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo?